You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there. Made it to the weekend. You've done it again. You've done it again, my friend. And, of course, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. whole bunch to do on this Friday. Too much, really, to get all in in one hour. But we'll try. Of course, the number you know. 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question will be going up shortly. We'll see if we actually stick with the one that we put up first today, unlike yesterday, but still did good numbers yesterday, so I think we made the right decision. But a whole bunch to do today. And, and, and look, maybe it's the frivolity of the weekend being here. Maybe I'm just crazy. I sometimes say crazy things. Not, I, don't, I don't say it just to be crazy. But this might be my craziest. I think that both New York football teams, and by that I mean the Jets and the Giants. When I talk, nobody's talking about the Buffalo Bills. I think both New York football teams will be in position in the fourth quarter to win their games on Sunday. Is that, is that a crazy statement? I think most people kind of think the Giants should be in position. I mean, God, if you're not in position this week. But I think even the Jets will be in position to win their game on Sunday. It might be because I've been spending too much time with my family. I just got to get out. I just got to go someplace. That it's starting, I'm starting to have the Howard Hughes effect. That I'm just, you know, the, the brain is just going to mush. But let's start with the Jets because we're getting closer. I've said this before. There's portions of the week where the Jets are intriguing and then there's portions of the week where we, we embargo them, essentially. And the, the embargoing time is generally game time. Once the games actually start, you have to see them just to see how bad things... I mean, really, anything is up for grabs at this point with as bad as they've been. But that's their least fascinating time of the week. After the games are over, the things that are said, the moves that are made... That's their more fascinating, that's their more intriguing time. Now, usually that's Sundays at 1 where they're not interesting at all. They just get blown out, they get their heads handed to them, and the game's over even before halftime. This week, it's not Sunday at 1, it's Sunday at 4. They actually play a 4 o'clock game. But let's, while we still have this time, because, I mean, they just keep providing content. We keep going to the Jets' tree, and even though we pick it clean every single day, we show up the next day, and there's new fruit that's just whoop, popped up overnight. Well, as you probably know by now, Livion Bell has uh, found his new team. Really, outside of Jack Dorsey, has Twitter ever been more rewarding to anyone than Lev Bell? Just by liking some tweets. That's all he had to do. So he signs on with Kansas City. And he goes from, you would have to say, unquestionably, the worst offensive team in the NFL. Or as, as analysts, a fo- football analysts like to just drag it out to make it seem more important. He goes from the worst offensive team in the National Football League with a head coach who seemed to misuse him, his highest paid player, at least in part out of spite. He goes from that to a coach who always seems to get the most out of every offensive player. Guys you've never even heard of. But in week six, you'll be fighting over with your friends trying to pick them up on a fantasy league someplace. And what did we say? What did everybody say? We were all in agreement that no matter where Le'Veon Bell signed, 
he was going to go to a better situation. It could have been anybody. He could have thrown a dart at a wall and just picked the team in random. He could have shown up at the airport, looked at the big board, right? And whatever city was the next one listed on the top of the list, if it had an NFL franchise, and made his decision that way, and he would have been going to a better offensive situation. And I think clearly he picked probably the best one. I know New England was one that people – there's been more than enough examples of that, of guys going to New England and and kind of remaking their value and and then cashing in. So And we speak about, out of spite, that Adam Gase seems like he was uh, making decisions and continues to make decisions and has made decisions in the past. Out of spite? Well, I think that Lev Bell was was kind of saying, you know what, two can play that game because it seemed like, according to all the reports, the three finalists to sign him came down to the Dolphins, Bills, and Chiefs, which Ojo so happened to be the next three teams that the Jets play, the Dolphins, Bills, and Chiefs. And that Chiefs line, I, I, don't, I have not seen what an advanced line is for that Chiefs game. I think, from what I've heard, that the uh, Chiefs are going to be favored by a billion. It, I think that's a record. They're going to be favored by a billion. So, look, as I've said before, I don't know what Le'Veon Bell has left. There, as Rich Samini pointed out, I think accurately, there were no plays since he came to the Jets where you said, boom, oh, see, there, there's the glimmer, right? There's, there's the old Lev Bell. But the fact that the Chiefs wanted to find out, eh, it's probably a pretty good sign for Le'Veon Bell. Now, look, they're not risking anything, right? But that's not a great sign if you're someone like uh, Adam Gase who wants to show that Le'Veon Bell had has nothing left. And I don't know what he will do with Kansas City. I don't know how many carries he'll get. Seems like the Chiefs, they, they spread the ball around a lot, so here's another mouth to feed. But it's a lock that in three weeks, when the Chiefs play the Jets, that he is scoring a touchdown. Like FanDuel has the uh, you know anytime score, and you can, you can bet money on a, a specific guy to score a touchdown in that game. That I can't imagine the odds will be very good. Like you might bet like a thousand dollars and you'll win a nickel because that is the lock of the century that Le'Veon Bell is going to score a touchdown when the Chiefs play the Jets in three weeks. Now that's not really saying much because it's possible everyone on the Chiefs scores a touchdown when they play the Jets. So uh, look, I don't know how this is going to play out. As I've said. But if it's true, if it's true that the Jets, the Adam Gase-led Jets, are right about Le'Veon Bell not having anything left in the tank, and at the same time the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, are wrong, if both those things turn out to be correct, the Jets are right about something, and the same thing the Chiefs are wrong about something, that might be the greatest upset of of all time in any sport ever anywhere on planet Earth, in the history of the world, the Jets being right about something, and in that same thing the Chiefs being wrong about, the odds are astronomical. Astronomical. All right, so the second thing about the Jets that I I did want to touch on was the NFL trade deadline is set for November 3rd. Nothing else going on that day, right? November 3rd. Quiet day. Bill Barnwell has an article up on ESPN.com about uh, you know deals, players that might become available. It's not the first one he lists, but the one that's the most intriguing. He has the Jets at least looking 
entertaining offers for Sam Darnold. He also has Washington trading Dwayne Haskins, which uh, I think actually has a real possibility of happening. And if a team was, well, look, if you have to believe in Dwayne Haskins, I don't know how many teams are, are out there that still you know, trust that Dwayne Haskins will be a, a good player. I, I think that if you believed in him going into the draft, then you would probably still believe, you know, a lot of teams with older quarterbacks. I think the one he raises for, for Haskins is Pittsburgh. But he, t- you know, the, as to the one about uh, Sam Darnold, uh, he, he writes that the ESPN Football Power Index, the FPI, thinks there's a 50% chance the Jets will be 0-8 on the morning of November 3rd. I think they could, they could be 0-8 even before November 3rd. Even before they've played, if there's a team that could figure out a way to be 0-8 even before they've played eight games, the, the, you would have to say the Jets are the overwhelming favorites to do that. FPI also thinks the Jets already have a 42% chance of finishing with the first overall pick in 2021 after their 0-5 start. Uh, three more losses would surely push their prospects of winning the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes well past 50%. Well, we have we have our own uh, analytics department here on the Gordon Damer Show. We have put it, I believe, at 79.2%. It would be a huge upset at this point. If the Jets do not have the number one pick, because there's a very good chance they don't win a single game this year. Now, I do think that they'll be in the game this week, and I think I would even give them a chance to win this game this week. But even if they did, this might be the only game they win all year. Outside of the two Dolphin games, you look at their schedule, based on how they've played, I don't see how you could be confident they would win a single game. You, you, you're just basically chalking it up to, some random crazy thing happening where one team turns the ball over a bunch of times and somehow the Jets don't. That's the only way you would look at the Jets' schedule the rest of the way and think that they have the possibility uh, of winning a game. And even if they, w- if they win one game, right now there's a couple other winless teams, obviously the Giants, the Falcons. Those teams, you would say, they're not going to win many games, but I still think that they're going to win some games. And you see the Falcons, they had that positive COVID test. That might be the first positive thing to happen to the Falcons all year. But he writes, I'm not sure that a Darnold trade is likely, but there's a logical suitor if that does happen. The Colts were the team that originally made it possible for the Jets to draft Darnold when they sent New York the third overall pick for the sixth selection and three second round picks. Back then, Indy thought they were set at quarterback with Andrew Luck. Things changed. So, uh, look, whether or not I don't think that there's a real possibility that the Jets would trade Darnold, but it is interesting. It is interesting. And, and boy, if a team ever won a trade, that might be the most oh, – that's almost like the Yankees trading away Araldis Chapman. It's probably even better, right? Trading away Araldis Chapman and then getting him back and in the process getting Glaber Torres. That, that was a pretty good deal. If you all of a sudden trade – to move down, allow the one team to pick a guy at three, and then four years later, you end up also getting the guy that they picked at that pick. Boy, that, that's owning a trade. The uh, interesting part of this to me is the how he ends it. The Jet fans expecting to get a first-round pick for their struggling quarterback have to be realistic. I don't know if Bill Barnwell has met Jet fans. Darnold hasn't put together a solid stretch of football for more than three weeks at his time. His worst games have been disasters. He has struggled to stay healthy. His decision-making doesn't look much better now than it did when he entered the league. The Jets might not pick up his option regardless of whether they're in line to take Lawrence in the draft. No, it hasn't been fair, but what has happened over the past three years is a sunk cost. 
They don't know whether Darnold is their guy, and they're in too desperate a position to wait and see. I think all of that is accurate. I think all of that is perfectly said. Trading Darnold could be a win-win. The Jets would add second-round selection and earn a conditional pick if, say, Darnold makes the Pro Bowl in 2021. And trading Darnold and turning the reins over to Joe Flacco, <laughs> that sentence just made Jet fans a little vomit, little little, little acid reflux there in the morning. And fourth-rounder James Morgan this season, they would be, be-, be better positioned to follow through on that possible 0-8 start and come away with the first overall pick. The Colts could land their quarterback of the future, and if, uh, if Rivers struggles, they might even find their quarterback of the present. Well, the problem with all of this, and it's all, you know, he's floating it out there as a thought experiment. The problem with all of this is the people that that would benefit, right? The getting the first overall pick almost certainly aren't the people that are running the Jets right now. And it seems to me it's pretty clear that Adam Gase, I mean, it can't be possible even as bad as the Jets are, it can't be possible that he would not only last this year, but beyond. That is absolutely crazy to think. But again, it is the Jets. So you can't rule anything out. So that ties into our poll question for today. With the state of New York football, which of the following do you think has a better chance of staying in their current position beyond this season. And the two obvious choices are A, Dave Gettleman, B, Adam Gase. That's the poll question. It's going up on Twitter, at Gordon Damon. So the poll question, which is up today, is uh, on Twitter. And uh, look, I don't know how this is going to go. I would think if you were saying who has a better chance of staying beyond this season, at this point you would say it has to probably be Dave Gettleman. Not because of anything Dave Gettleman has done, Let's be clear about that. Dave Gettleman, I mean, the Giants' offensive line, the thing that he mentioned in the first press conference he had when he got the job is still an outright disaster. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, Andrew Thomas, you can already tell. Let's, you know, wait and see how the season plays out. But the early returns are not good. You would have to say the early returns are not good. So it's not anything that Dave Gettleman has done that would make you think, ah, I'll vote Dave Gettleman. It's that Adam Gase has just been an outright nightmare. I mean, in every sense of the word, he has been an outright nightmare. So, look, we might toy with the magical 90 percentile today, but make no mistake, that has nothing to do with Dave Gettleman or the job he's done. It's been horrendous. It's been so bad. The only issue here is that, and maybe it's because I'm listening to the K show every day and Michael's, you know, his powers of persuasion are starting to swing me over. I don't think that he's just basing this on things that, you know, he's just coming up with it on his own. I think people are telling him things. And he seems to be of the the belief that, that, that Gase and Joe Douglas are tied at the hip and that if it's up to Joe Douglas... He's not going to get rid of Adam Gase, which sounds outrageous and crazy. There's no way that could possibly happen. It defies all logic and reason and anything that with people with two brain cells to rub together. But it's the Jets. So is it really? It, I think it's even outrageous for them, but it, it's not as outrageous as it would be for anybody else. So if I had a vote, I would probably, yeah, I'd pro- I can understand why people would save Dave Gettleman. 
but the the fact that it's the Jets and it's Christopher Johnson and like I don't think you can rule it out, which is so bizarre. It's just so it's so incredibly bizarre. So the poll question you can vote on that. It's up on Twitter. Uh, last night, the Astros, as, a, as you probably know, stave off elimination, so they force game six. They go to bed tonight. I will, as a, This is a Gordon Damer show guarantee. The Astros go sleepy, sleepy night night tonight. That's where they go. Uh, Carlos Correa had the walk-off home run yesterday. Astros actually hit a home run on the first pitch and the last pitch. It's almost like they knew it was coming. They did not actually out-homer the Rays in that game, though. So the rare time, for all the people who say you have to manufacture runs, that would be one of the very few examples because they actually uh, did not out-homer the Rays yesterday, and they still won the game. So that's good. And apparently Carlos Correa predicted he was going to hit a home run. Apparently before that at bat, he told Dusty Baker, walk-off. Of course, Carlos Correa has kind of been proven to be a liar, so I'm not really all that convinced. You know what I've seen is that people, now that the Astros have won a couple of games, the Rays were up three games to none. Astros have shown some life, have won a couple of games, and they're still in the series. I've heard people floating the idea, well, Yankee fans would want another team, right? Because the Red Sox came back from down 0-3. Anybody who floats that to you, you show me an example of somebody who's coming into that with pure intentions. Because I would have to think, anyone who floats that out there is obviously a troll. I mean, that's the only reason somebody would float that out there. A, how would that ever lessen 2004? What, because there's another... It, every time they show the highlights, it's the not, it's not the 2004 Yankees? Well, that might... I don't know. Like, if it were the White Sox, maybe, I guess it would. It's not going to lessen the pain of 2004. But the, the main point is it's the Astros. It's the... Nobody would want... The Yankee fans don't want to see the Astros do well. As I said, as I said before, if Satan came from the pits of hell and for whatever reason, who can figure out Satan's reasoning, said, you know what, I'm going to try to uh, take over the world and to do so, I will play a uh, battle of baseball. I'll play a baseball game and here is my team, the Beazelbubs or the, the, the Hellraisers or whatever team you would want to call them. I would probably be rooting for the Hellraisers or the Beazelbubs or whoever over the Astros. That's how much I dislike the Astros. So uh, the Astros, don't worry. They go to sleep tonight. Game six, it's over, it's out, it's a guarantee. Mark it down. Can we talk about the Dodgers too? Dodgers lost last night to 10-2. If you did not see the game, you really did not need to see the game because you've seen the game before. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Dodgers, in a close game, have Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And for some reason, it's like the sixth inning, they decide to stick with Clayton Kershaw third time through the order, and uh, he gives it up. He, he gives it up. In the postseason, Clayton Kershaw's ERA from the sixth inning on is seven. It's 7.31. David, Dave Rob, you know, Dave Roberts gets crushed for, for analytics, and, you know, he's a puppet like, uh, like Boone. But it's weird. The one time he decides to go against the numbers is he continually does this. Now, the bullpen was terrible. They came in and blew it. Uh, the offense did nothing. So it's not, I don't think it's exclusively on Clayton Kershaw, but it's amazing. Yes, you can find some individual performances where he did pitch well in the postseason, the years they uh, they, they made the World Series, sure. Um, it, it would be hard to come up with a comp 
a comparative player who was as dominant as he was in the regular season and continually, not every single time, but continually was not that guy in the postseason. There's some guys that you would think of, right? Like the first guy who comes to mind for me, dominant regular season, laid an egg in the postseason would be would be Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls, right? Like it, it wasn't like he never came through. It seems more and more likely that Clayton Kershaw will go his career. That's different football. It's tough. I understand. Quarterback has the ball, and you know, uh, baseball. It's never about just one guy. But Peyton Manning would be the first. But he won. You know, somebody else that people would bring up, like Carl Malone, was a great all-time player. He lost to Jordan, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to find a comparative player for the struggles that Clayton Kershaw has had. And this was, this was, it's been before, but this was supposed to be the year for the Dodgers, all right? Last night was just their 20th loss of the season. They ran through the regular season. They had a, a run differential of plus 136. And imagine being a Dodger fan, haven't won since 88. You were in the series in 17 and 18. You lost the division series last year. You make the big move for, for Mookie Betts. And look, it's 3 1. It's not over. But it's not trending in the right direction. Not trending in the right direction. 1 800 919 ESPN, 1 800 919 3776. I just wanted to, because it is a, uh, it's an obligation, I have a quota to fill every single day. I have to speak about the Yankees. And uh, the one takeaway uh, in terms of where they go this offseason, I heard uh, Mark Teixeira yesterday on uh, the K show, and he was talking about the three areas. Okay, uh, I wouldn't really uh, necessarily disagree with any of that. I think that what you have to think right now, based on after hearing the press conference and everything else, that, that they're not really going to be any changes on the offense. Like they, they're not really I, that. That's the problem in the playoffs. But based on what they have and what available areas there would be to improve, it seems certainly likely that they are just going to run it back the same uh, as last year. I think they re-sign Lemayhew and, and run it back that way. That their main focus is going to be starting pitching and bullpen. Now, I've said I don't think the personality of Trevor Bauer will appear to uh, appeal to them, but based on what's out there, and it's impossible to know what's available through trades, but just based on free agency and how they're going to have to build their team, I think that he really should. Not just because he's going to be the Cy Young, but but the one unknown is we don't know what impact corona is going to have on uh on the on free agency on the money the team spent i mean i would think it, the numbers have to be down right like free agency the last few years has not been all that lucrative it's just a question of how much it's down now bowers a guy who has said in the past that he wants to maximize his value and t- to do so he is only going to sign one-year deals so maybe that's just talk maybe he's just you know talking out his rear end there but there are no one bad, no bad one-year deals. Is it possible that the market is down so much that you could get him for one year and, and twenty-five million dollars? I, I don't know. I mean, it will kind of be fleshed out as, as the offseason goes along. But if you run back the same offense, right? You're not going to make any major changes to that. The bullpen, bullpen arms. Nobody gives up good bullpen arms, so you're going to have to kind of tweak that and find guys and develop guys. Maybe it's from the system. Maybe it's Johnny Lasagna. Maybe it's this guy or that guy next year. And the rotation seems like 
you're going to have a bunch of guys at the end of the rotation, and you're going to kind of play it by ear as the season goes along, right? Devi, uh, Severino when he comes back, Herman is back in the mix, Clark Schmidt, Monty, he's going to be. That number two spot can't be Tanaka. You, I think that the one, if if you're looking at what they're looking at, running the offense back, not really available guys in terms of bullpen arms that you're going to sink big money into, I think that it has to be about the most likely area for improvement is the rotation. And I think that it can't be, if you have all these guys at the end of the rotation, all right, fine. You want to trot out all those guys and, and see how, you know, if guys develop over the course of the season, some young arms, some guys coming back from injury. Okay, fine. Then that means that number two starter has to be a lockdown guy. And the only guy that seems like it's available that way, and it might actually play into their hands if they're looking at it fairly, would be Trevor Bauer. I, I still don't think that personality is going to mesh with the Yankees, but who knows. All right, one 800 espn one 800 Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Anthony is in Staten Island. Anthony, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's going on, Gordon? How are you? I'm good. Uh, no, I just want to talk about the Jets and Giants, how they're yeah, sure. not good football teams, but you know what's going to happen at the end of the year. They're going to win a meaningless game and they're both not going to get the number one pick. We saw it happen with the Giants last year. They lose out on Chase Young, and then they draft the wrong offensive tackle somehow. There was four other great ones, and, you know, they picked the wrong one. So that's just how Jets and Giants football has been going, I feel, uh, recently. Yeah. I mean, the one thing last year, though, even if the, Je- even if the Giants got the second pick, I'm not 100% convinced that Dave Gettleman would have taken Chase Young. Like, for all the talk about offensive line and offensive line and offensive line, it would not have stunned me at all, even at two, that he would have still stuck to the offensive line. It would not have shocked me. You know what? You know what? You're not wrong. So they probably would have screwed it up anyway. So you're right. Right. There's a thousand ways to screw things up, Anthony, and it seems like Dave Gettleman's uh, got him locked down on all of them. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's not a great situation. Not a great situation. So it's, it's amazing to me that it's almost like just lay low, just, uh, just uh, don't, uh, don't say anything, allow Gase to be the focus of town and everything else, and, and so far that's worked out because it's not like uh, Dave Gettleman's done anything good. It's not like this has been an improvement. They're 0-5. And they just kind of float under the radar because of the dumpster fire that the Jets are. Neil is in the Bronx. Neil, what's going on? Good morning, Gordon. I got two questions for you. One, were you surprised when Hal Steinbrenner said they're going to keep Sanchez and work with Sanchez? And two is, being that the Jets and Giants are really, really bad, if you have to pick a team that will go out of the chances of going winless, which would it be? It would have to be the Jets. I mean, the Jets, they're they're not even competitive up until halftime. I mean, I I think I had the the stat, the the Jets in uh, five games, in four of those five games, the opponent has scored more points in the first half than the Jets have scored in the entire game. I mean, that tells you how uncompetitive they are. Now, I don't know that they'll go winless. I don't know that they'll go 0-16. That's very, very rare. But if you had to pick a team right now, I mean, they, they, they would be the odds-on favorite. As for the Sanchez thing, I'm not surprised, and I don't necessarily know that it means anything. Like, I don't think that Hal Steinbrenner is going to come out and say, no, Gary Sanchez is definitely going to be off the team. Like, you're just not going to do that to an asset, even if you do intend to, to move him or non-tender him or, or something like that. So it's not shocking to me, and it doesn't really change my – my thought that they probably will move on from him, uh, but I'm not sure. It, it just that kind of goes against what the, the 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 philosophy of selling low, right? Like Gary Sanchez's value could not be any lower. So to give up on him now, 
Maybe it's all just a sunk cost and you just got to get out when you can. It just seems like that would not be maximizing value from Brian Cashman's point of view. And you think you think Herman might be a good number two starter, but remember yeah. he's been off the field for a while. Will we get the same Herman no. that was locked down and shutting things down, or are we going to no, get a different Herman was never really as good. I mean, Herman was boosted by the win loss total. Like the Yankees, just for whatever reason, scored a bunch of. I mean, his ERA even in his best year was around four, so he was never really a lockdown guy. I'm interested to see what he has uh, coming back, and I think that he is definitely in the mix. He might be one of those guys that's a bullpen guy. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like the Yankees have some intriguing guys at the back of the rotation. I'm willing to give him another shot. He's certainly uh, paid for his crime, whatever his crime. We don't know, really know what the details are outside of the broad strokes. So I think he's paid for uh, his crime and, and uh, from what we know of, and I'm interested to see what he's got coming back. And he's, he's certainly uh, he's been gone a long time. But we'll see. Uh, but he is someone who he can be at the back of the rotation. He might be somebody who develops over the course of the year. You know, baseball is a very, very long season. If they get back to 162 next year, that he, I'm sure, will be relied on in some role. But no, he can't be the number two starter. He can't be. He, you can't go into next year and you can't. If, even if you bring Tanaka back, you can't go into next year and say he's the number two starter either. You have to find some. I, I know that they have obstacles. But the, the goal of the offseason is to improve the team. And just simply trotting the same team back out there and simply saying, well, you know, we got a bad, we got a bad break this year because of the 60 games or, or injuries or whatever, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for the Yankees. That's not good enough for anybody, but it's certainly not good enough for the Yankees. Uh, Matt is in Marlboro. Matt, what's going on? Morning, Gordon. How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, so my question to you is, is we all know Gase is a goner. I would think, unless we live in an alternate universe suddenly. So my question to you is, you have Trevor Lawrence, you have the number one, uh, you have the number one maybe cap space moving forward. What kind of head coach are you going to attract with Lawrence and a ton of cap space? Well, I mean, I think that the Jets, pro- without the number one pick, the Jets, uh, it would be hard for me to envision Agreed. anyone wanting to take this job. Agreed. So I think that they almost they need the number one pick more so than anyone else in terms of, of the, the direct of, of people that I want to see get the job. I think one thing that has to be clear by now is it feels like last time the Jets were were solely looking for someone who developed the quarterback quarterback quarter. It wasn't about an overall head coach. It wasn't about a leader of men. It was about having this X's and O's genius. And you just take a look at the uh, around the NFL. I, I look, Bill Belichick is obviously a genius in every regard, uh, but I just think you have to find someone who can motivate people and motivate players. I, I, I think Meyer. he has to be much more of a of a of a of a total head coach rather than just Ur- saying, you know what, this guy is just going to be focused on the offense. Uh, Urban Meyer. That's the only guy who oh, I think God. who's left it all out on the field in college football. Like Jimmy Johnson won a title at Miami. And you say, look, you want to cement your legacy? Here's Trevor Lawrence. Here's a clean slate. You're going to help with the draft process. I think it makes too much sense, like you said, because it's a logical choice. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if it I, is. I, I, I mean, with his health problems, the la- I mean, I don't know him at all, but I don't hate him. So why would I want to put him into such a position? I mean, I just don't know if he could take it. Uh, I mean, the amount of work it, that that would involve. Oh my God! But but that's a man who has left job after job to elevate the challenge of himself. He left Utah. He left Florida. 
he left Ohio State because of the health thing. I don't think he would have left. I mean, it's yeah. unknown, but I think his, you know, his wife probably stepped in from what I remember. Um, and the other thing I want to say, if there's any Vegas guru or any MIT guy out there listening to this right now, I want to know the calculated odds of this Jets team playing like the 2001 Miami Hurricanes or the LSU team last year. I would love to know what the point spread is because the Jets really are that bad. Yeah, I know that that's a a popular thing that people always say that there's absolutely no way that a professional team would lose to a college team. Matt, I agree with you. The Jets are that bad this year. Now look, the the players, you know, that might motivate them because it's clear that Gase is not motivating them, right? Uh, so they might say, "Look, we can't, we can't be embarrassed like this." But if they simply, if you did not tell them that the other team was a college team, right? Like you just kind of put it somehow in some sort of uh, black mirror type simulation, they didn't know the team that they were playing, and you did get a stacked college team. I'm not saying that the college team would beat the Jets every single time, but to think that the Jets would beat the college team every single time is is crazy. That that's how bad they've been. They have been completely yeah. non-competitive in every, Listen, in love, really every game. I love except Chris Hogan, you know, but he's a Mammoth guy. I'm from Mammoth County, you know. Like I know he's a good player, but uh, him or Justin Jefferson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, you know, Matt, I understand. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, the Jets have been a outright disaster. But as I said in the open, I think that this is the week. I think I, I might be going insane. I get it. I'm going to lay out to you. Why I th- I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think that they are going to be competitive and have a chance in the fourth quarter on Sunday. And what other deranged lunatic on all the shows anywhere would ever say that? Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. Oh, of course, Omar Little, The Wire. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday to Dominic West. Jimmy McNulty from The Wire. Now you're saying, well, Gordon, why'd you play Omar Little if it's Jimmy McNulty's birthday? Because Jimmy McNulty does not have any quotes that we can use on the air that don't have the F word in them. Basically, I mean, they, they, he, every scene, it's, I mean, they have one scene where it's just, curse word after curse word after curse word it's brilliantly done but i can't play that on the air not if i want to be on the air tomorrow so there you go the wire your moment of inspiration what do you think i was going to play the carlos correa home run come on get out of here get out of here get out of here it is the gordon damer show it is 98.7 fm espn new york uh we'll get to the phones back in a second i did want to touch on the giants game and uh, the jets this week and uh, look i know i realize i'm crazy i think that the giants will win on sunday Giants are 0-5, right? According to the uh, Damer Sports Bureau, not the Elias Sports Bureau, the Damer Sports Bureau, this is the first must-win game ever in the history of the NFL for an 0-5 team. The Giants have to win on Sunday. If you don't win on Sunday, I don't want to hear about progress. I don't want to hear about culture. I don't want to hear about competitiveness. 
I don't things moving in the right direction. I don't want to hear about injuries. I don't want to hear about, well, you know, it was a unique offseason. It's a tough spot for, for Joe Judge. That's fair. I'm not going to kill Joe Judge over the course of this year for anything that really takes place. But if you lose on Sunday, all those things, all of them, go right out the window. Washington is a terrible football team. Terrible. They're starting uh, – what, what's, what's I can't even think of the guy's name. It's not Alex Smith. It's the other guy. The guy was in, uh, was in Carolina, uh, the quarterback. Ah, geez, I can't think of his name. It doesn't matter. The Giants should be able to win this game. If you're competitive against these other teams, you should be able to beat the bad team. And you're, I, I think they play the Bengals as well this year, the Giants. There's, these are the games you have to win. I'm not saying you got to go win and beat teams that you're not better than. But you got to beat the teams that you're better at. And Washington, even just according to our own poop rankings, are number two. Or no, excuse me, they're number three. The Jets are one and two in the poop rankings that we do on Monday. Daniel Jones was the big question coming into this year. How much progress will he make? He's not made any. That much is clear. He has not taken a step forward. Now, look, there's still time. I'm not saying you have to give up on him. I'm not saying that. That would be ridiculous. But that's what Washington has done with Dwayne Haskins. It's ridiculous. So the thing that stands out to me about Jones is it seems like that he is so focused on not turning the ball over, which he should be, right? But the problem is that he's so focused on it. It feels like when you're watching him, he, 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 every minute of the game he's so focused on it that now he's also playing timid. So it's almost like he, he's trying to like split the baby, and uh, that's not good. You should never split babies. So it's like he's playing too timid to be successful, but he can't be successful if he's turning the ball over as much as he is. And he's still turning the ball over. And he's not, he's, he doesn't have those plays that you saw last year where you're like, okay, that, you know, that's the highlight play. So it has to be this balancing act, and he's not been able to balance it so far. You know, he can't let it loose because it seems like he is so programmed. So I do think the Giants went on Sunday. They better. That's all I will say. They better. Now, once you had all the excitement you can handle from Giants and Washington football team, just when you thought the frenzy could not get any higher, you, you get to follow that up on an NFL Sunday with the Jets and Dolphins. Like, wow, you know, talk about excitement. Talk about the thrill of the ride, right? What do we start with? We start with Giants-Washington football team, and then we switch whew, to Jets-Dolphins. I mean... Wow, I don't know if my heart can handle it. If you have a heart, can, you will you will sit in the you have the entire seat at your home, but you'll only need the edge of the seat, right? For for both games. So the Jets and Dolphins. Look, I might be crazy. I might be deranged. I might be insane, out of my head. Whatever term you want to use, this feels like to me. And maybe it's because I'm a, a defeated Dolphin fan who knows to never have any faith in everything. It's better to have loved and lost. No, it's not. It's better to have never loved because all you will ever see coming down the horizon is the pain and heartbreak of allowing yourself to crawl out of your hole for even a little tiny second. So right now, I would say, obviously, everything with the Jets is the worst. How bad is it? It's worse. Worse than what? Worse than everything. It's that bad. They are so bad, but yet you still have to see them because you you can't believe how bad it is. And everyone is piling on right now, myself included, and is expecting them to get embarrassed again on Sunday because, after all, there is nothing 
more reliable in the NFL than the Jets being embarrassed during a game. There's nothing more, nothing. Patrick Mahomes is not even that. Patrick Mahomes once in a while has a bad game. The Jets never have a good game. And unfortunately, if you're a Jet fan who wants to see the Jets get the number one pick and, and you know go 0-16 to, to guarantee that, this game, Jets-Dolphins, is always a throw-the-records-out type of game. Chris Johnson is actually asking the league if that's allowed. Can, I've heard that this is a throw-the-records-out. Is there something we can do to throw the records out? Oh, no? Oh. Three years ago, I just go, you know, you can go through all the years of Jets-Dolphins where one team looks like one thing and the other team looks like the direct opposite and they get into this game and for whatever reason, the opposite happens. So three years ago, there was all that talk about the Jets tanking or whatnot, right? Was that three years ago, four years ago? It was like week two. No, it was week four, week three, whatever. It was early on in the season. Jets had not won a game. The previous week, they got hammered by the Raiders and, of course, the Jets go out, play the Dolphins, and they win. Josh, Mc, uh, Josh McCown threw a, a long touchdown to, to Robbie Anderson, I remember. This is the matchup. If everyone thinks it's one way, go the other. The Dolphins have been playing pretty well. They're coming off that win against the Niners. They're getting a little bit of credit. The Dolphins are never as good when they get credit. If they get credit, they're about to spend that credit on a three-card Monty game. All right? Just, just know this. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's like the toast of uh, the team right now, is due for a course correction. At some point this year, people will once again be like, oh, right, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right, right, of course, yes. In the last month, Fitzpatrick has thrown seven touchdowns and two picks. He is due for a course correction. Now, I don't know necessarily that it will happen this week. And it's always possible that Adam Gase won't use someone on the team because they said have a good day and he didn't feel like having a good day. So then Gase will freeze out that person just strictly out of spite. There's no good reason anyone, anywhere, should think the Jets will be competitive on Sunday. I actually do. I actually do. Now, and I'm not just saying this for some radio bit. I will be betting on the Jets on Sunday. I'm waiting until Sunday. I feel like the line is good. I think the last I saw was nine and a half. I feel like it could get up to the 10, 10 and a half point range. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. So this is not just some crazy thing where I'm just saying this just to be outrageous or be that guy or whatever. I actually think the Jets have a chance, one of the very few times, to be competitive on an NFL Sunday. I've heard they're having amazing practices. Amazing. They're just so good. Of course, they're practicing against the Jets. And one more thing before we go to the phones. Net picks and chill. No net picks and chill this week, but the Regal Tumble starts on Monday. It is confirmed, people, so be ready. If you have any last chance, last moment suggestions, feel free. Tweet me. Hashtag Regal Tumble. All right, let's get them in. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to Gerald and Hackensack. Gerald, go, my man. Hey, how you doing, Gordon? Good morning. Hey, man. Um, there's two things. Uh, I disagree with you on two things. Okay. Um, one thing is with the Miami Dolphins. I, I, I felt this year coming in that they were a, a lot better team than they were last year. Um, watching some of the games from last year, especially on the defensive side with Patrick Graham, he had a bunch of no-namers, and he kept – he basically coached them to, to actually stay in some of these games, and they, they actually played well. 
I think they are a lot better than they are this year. But um, I guess time will tell uh, as the season goes on. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but they're a good team to me. Um, secondly, with uh, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, he he has shown some improvement. Um, but to Where? be honest, from what 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 I saw on 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 Sunday against the Cowboys, the Giants haven't scored points like they have like like they like they did last week in, in the past three three weeks, four weeks before this game. So this is progress to me. I, I do agree with you. They should win on Sunday, and they should they should win by an astounding amount. Washington sucks. Yeah, so, no, Washington. Is, um, I don't know about an astounding amount. I mean, uh, look, just take a win, right? I mean, just take a win, and you'll you'll go from there, well, Gerald. Thanks. What's that? Yeah, just take a win. I mean, you haven't had one all year. Take a win and, and, and move on. And I don't think they're going to win a, met, a lot of games this year. I would just say about Daniel Jones's progress, I would just simply say where. I mean, to me, he looks like the same guy now that he was last year when he didn't have Saquon Barkley. Go look at those games. He was not very good, and he has not been very good this year. Tim is in Hempstead. Tim. What's up, guys? Good morning. Uh, two things really quick. First thing is back to your, the original caller before that said Urban Meyer is the obvious choice for the Jets coach. No way in hell could that ever work. Urban Meyer, Mike Krzyzewski, these guys don't leave the college game for one reason, because if they go to the pros, they lose that big thing. That's control over their teammates. Yeah, well, I mean, even more so than that, Tim, I just think it's a, the, the Jets is a long-term thing. And if you go get somebody like Urban Meyer, he's not a long-term solution. The Jets need somebody who's going to be here for a long time and help build something, and he's not that. I couldn't agree more, but, you know, Jets fans are probably going to be excited about getting the first-round pick and the first pick in the draft. But you know who I feel bad for? You know who I feel bad for? The first pick in the draft? The, of course the first pick in the draft. Because <laughs> the only way the first pick in the draft is going to help the Jets is if that pick can throw the ball, kick the ball, run the ball, and do some front office work. Otherwise, yeah, he's got to do all of that, though. Yeah, no, he's got to do all of that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, the Jets have their work cut out for him. So uh, that that one pick, the, the one thing in the NFL you can't fall into, and uh, Jet fans, and look, all team, fans of bad teams do, is you can't be looking for saviors, right? You can't think that this one guy or this one pick or this one move is going to turn it around. The Jets have a long list of things they need to do right, and they haven't done anything right. Uh, let's go to uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning to Michael K. Show Trivia Champion. Thank you, Spike. Thank you for remembering. Go ahead, quick. And, and Dave Rutherford. Yes, Rutherford, no, just go to the point. Okay, just get right. to the point. Real, real quick, the COVID thing's starting to bother me because they can't postpone that starting? many games. <laughs> well, no, no, no. no. Not, I mean, I left out football. In football, I think it's uh, it's just a matter of time because now with all the traveling and all the – there's 300 people on every football team, including right. personnel. So – the numbers just – I hope I'm wrong, boy, because, boy, I think you will there. be, Spike. we got to run. Hope. We're out of time. I think you will be. The best news that you got is that Max Kellerman thinks that the season is going to be canceled, so that's a good sign pointing in the opposite direction with one of his predictions. But I would say this. The NFL, unless somebody comes out and tells the NFL, you absolutely cannot let play any more games, they're going to muddle their way through it. They're going to figure out a way to get through it. And the consequences be damned. We've seen that before. We'll see that again. And I'll see you tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. at 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.